Good morning. Welcome, everybody. I want to repeat the welcome and the thanks that everyone before me has given. It's great to be here together. This uh, auditorium looks very different than it did six months ago, the last time I got up here to speak. Uh, there were only about 12 of us, I think, in the building that day. And uh, so it's great to see so many people here. Uh, and thanks to, to uh, Gary for coming up with this idea. This has been, uh, for me, it's always fun to get up here and talk to you. And uh, even if it is a little bit scary sometimes, like Tony kind of mentioned. And uh, Cliff, thanks for reading that passage. When, when I got the prompt for this uh, topic in Lynn's email, I started reading that passage, and to me, that's a really famous passage. The seven ones there that are listed in um, verses four through six are pretty popular. I've done uh, a camp session. Tony talked about camp. I'm going to talk about camp too because it's one of my favorite things. Even though it's weird because it's like, why is it one of your favorite things? when it is hot and full of critters. But we did a whole camp session where our Bible class is focused on those seven ones. I remember a Bible class here. I don't remember who taught it, but I remember a Bible class in Ephesians where we talked about the seven ones uh, for most of the time. And I think Jim and Jeremy have also done a sermon series on the seven ones. So it's a pretty famous passage, but as I was reading it to get ready for this, I noticed something new that I hadn't noticed before. As Paul finishes verse 16, and he goes on through the rest of the book of Ephesians, he's talking about, he's encouraging the congregation here in Ephesus to change, to grow. The passage that we read, 1 through 16, is all about the body. It talks about the body we read in Romans, Tony read from 1 Corinthians, all of these passages where Paul uses this metaphor of the body. We are the body. We have different, the body has many members, but in different parts. And as Paul talks, he talks about not living as the Gentiles do anymore. He says, as part of the body, we don't live as we did before. We are supposed to imitate God. We were once darkness, and now we're light. He gives a couple of lists here in Ephesians of things that it looked like when we were in the darkness. And in Galatians, that passage in Galatians that we read earlier, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it's like living in the light. We've changed, but how does that happen? It happens through what he talks about in, in verses 1 through 16. Look with me, if you will, at verse 11. It was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Christ gave us roles. He gave roles to the church. And he gave them for a reason. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God 
and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Fellowship involves helping each other grow. It's not an individual thing, this body. We don't live by ourselves. We don't do this Christian life on our own. Christ gave us the body, and he's given us gifts as part of that. Look with me at verse 8. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. I can't say that word very well. Gifts. There's too many consonants in a row for me. But um, so I, I skip the T a lot. So he gave us gifts and there's a reason for that. In verses 14 through 16, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He's given us these gifts for bodybuilding. Some of you who are a little bit older like me might remember a couple of characters who were here to pump you up. Okay, and that is what we have been given our gifts for. That passage in Romans talks about some of those gifts, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, benevolence. Notice how when Paul lists those in Romans, he doesn't list a lot of this getting up here and preaching. It's kind of scary to do this, and most of us probably don't want to do it. A lot of the public things are what we think about. When we think about gifts, we think about service in the church. But like Tony kind of mentioned, the truth is, is that the work of the church that happens, the bodybuilding that we do in the church, happens most of the time one-on-one -on -one, in small groups where we're helping each other grow into the fullness of Christ. But when we get these gifts, a lot of times we don't use them. And that's what I want to talk about here at the end. I think that a lot of times we tell ourselves lies about our gifts, and that causes us to hide them or not use them. So I just want to talk about a couple. Who here can sing? Raise your hand. Can you sing? In all honesty, we should all be raising our hands. Singing is one of the things that I love the absolute most about camp. And by the last day, actually by the second day, I'm hoarse. I'm still hoarse from camp. You can kind of hear it in my voice. And singing is, is, to me, the best part of camp. I love getting together with a whole bunch of people and just singing my heart out. And my favorite time, the best singing for me that happens at camp, is when my voice is at its worst. It's Thursday night. We go climb Devo Mountain, and we sit there under the stars on the top of the mountain, and we just sing to God. Most of us, you can't. We had about a half moon uh, this year, so you could kind of see people. Uh, but most of the time, it's pretty dark, 
can't really see other people. You can just hear their voices in the darkness. That is one of the best things. So sometimes, so we've all been given this gift of being able to sing. There's very few people who can't sing, actually, functionally can't sing. We've all been given this gift, and yet we hide it. We say, oh, I just don't like the way my voice sounds. Belt it out, guys. Come on. Just sing as loud as you can because you're singing to God. So don't tell yourself that lie of I can't sing. Instead, use the gift that God gave you, your voice, to praise him and to encourage your brothers and sisters. Amen. Another one, another gift that we're often given is teaching. As part of my job as youth minister, and this happened as soon as I started as youth minister, Tony was like, okay, so let's divide up what we're going to do. What I want you to do is to get teachers for classes. Why do you think Tony did that? Because it's hard. It's really hard. It's, it's hard, one, to ask people because you don't know where they're at. You don't want to put pressure on someone who maybe is really busy in their life and doesn't have the, have the uh, time to teach. But also it's hard because I get told no a lot. Not right now, maybe later, maybe next quarter, maybe, maybe in six months. Hit me up next year. A lot of us have the ability to teach, but we say no. We think we're not good enough. Maybe we think that there's somebody else who's a much better teacher than I am, and we should let them teach. Public speaking, teaching is kind of like public speaking, and it can be scary. I can remember 22 years ago, I'm sitting in the college class, which we call the library now, and Chuck Monan is teaching, and I had a comment that I wanted to make. And my heart was pounding, my palms were sweating, and I was breathing fast and felt like I couldn't catch my breath. I was almost having a panic attack just about speaking up in a class and saying a comment. That was something that I overcame. I realized that I was going to have to get comfortable. I don't know if you know this, but I'm really secretly an introvert. Most people, when I tell them I'm an introvert, they tell me that I'm lying. Really. I bet, no, you're not. You're an extrovert. I'm an introvert, but I had to learn ways to be more outgoing, to get up in front of people and talk. And when, when Gary had this idea and he said, who wants to do anything? I said, I'm up for anything. I was even up for song leading, you guys. Now, it would have been bad, okay, because I don't even have my voice back, but I'm up for it. It doesn't matter. I'm ready to do it. I'm going to jump in and serve. And that attitude of being willing to do whatever is wonderful. At camp, we clean. Our camp session is one of the cleanest camp sessions um, that you will ever see. We clean every day. We have a competition to see who can clean their dorm the most. The very best, in my group won twice, um, but uh, uh, the very best kids are the ones who are like, what can I do? I had this kid named Aiden this year. He was great. I had to stop him from working, from cleaning, because he was like, gonna, I'm, okay, I'm going to make everybody's bed, and then I'll sweep the floor, and then I'm going to mop. I'm going to go clean the toilets. I'll clean the showers. I'll clean the sinks. Okay, so can somebody take out the trash? I'm like, he's like, I'll take care of everything. 
That is great. That is wonderful. That attitude of being willing to jump in and serve when you're asked for it, when you're needed, is something that I think we should all strive to develop in our lives. So don't hide your gift, the ability to teach, because maybe you're afraid of public speaking. Maybe you're afraid of getting up in front of a class of, of uh, six, uh, six through eighth graders, um, or nine or ten. I don't know how many I'm going to have this morning. But it's a fun class, and honestly, they love seeing different faces than just me and Tony. So volunteer. Jump in. Don't hide your gift. What about serving? I think that's a gift that sometimes we hide. We tell ourselves some lies about the gift of serving. And we say, I'll just be in the way. There's, there's going to be enough people here. And if one more person is just going to, I'm just going to be underfoot. I don't want to do that. Or maybe it's, well, so-and-so is just so much better at doing this thing than I am. Okay? Um, I'm going to pick on Ethan because Ethan is amazing at cutting down trees. I've seen this. He goes into full-on lumberjack mode, and he can take down trees safely. Uh, Beller and I, on the other hand, are not very good at that. Um, we punctured a gas meter at um, the Fugit's house, and uh, my solution to that was to put my finger over the hole, which worked, okay? And then we got some duct tape, and we put duct tape over the hole. Um, Ethan would never do that. <laughs> He's much more careful than we are. Some people, you have a gift for serving, and we say, we might say, well, Ethan's much better at taking down trees than I am, so I'm just going to let him do it. But what happens when the person who's really good at that, when they do that all the time, they become exhausted. We're here to build each other up, not to let other people do things for us. If you have the gift of serving, find a way to serve. Don't tell yourself those lies. Don't listen to them. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, Jesus says. And that's absolutely true. And we need help at school supply in next month. Um, so the last one I want to talk about, the last gift that I think that we lie to ourselves about is giving. It's pretty easy to say, well, I, I just don't have that much to give. Uh, Warren Buffett just gave $4.1 billion. I'm never going to even come close to giving a million dollars in my life. So... I, I probably just shouldn't do it. But that's a lie. Giving is the kind of thing that grows on you. When you start to become more generous, when you give of your time and you give of your money, it gets easier and easier to do the next time and the next time and the next time. And all too often I hear people say things like, well, I'll do that when I've accomplished this goal in my life. Or I'll do that when I'm making X amount of money. But there's no time like the present to start. The best time to start is now. Because you're going to have to start at some point and you're just putting it off. So I want to talk about some ideas for how we can stop telling ourselves these lies or stop, stop believing these lies. So one, I want to tell you, that start small. If it's teaching... Teach yourself. Just study the Bible on your own. Don't just read it. Study it. Take notes like you would if you were reading a textbook in college. 
Write down words that come up a whole lot of times in a passage. If you look at this passage in Ephesians, unity, love, those are some of the themes from this passage. So find those. Study the Bible on your own. And then study with someone who can teach you. You may think, well, so-and-so is a better teacher than I am. Hey, talk to them. Study the Bible with them. And they will help you learn how to study even better and how to become prepared to be a teacher. And then study with someone you can teach. I said in starting that most of the work that's done is done in small groups or one-on-one. Getting up and teaching a Bible class is a great thing. But sitting down with someone and studying the Word and building them up and showing them how they can use their gifts to build the body is what our fellowship is all about.